Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. It's good to be in church, right? It's good to be in church. If I haven't met you before, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors here at, at Gateway. And as you would have heard Manny just say before, we're actually... Uh, starting our Beyond Month this, this week, and so today's the first week of the Beyond Month, and we're, we're looking at how we can be opening new doors to reach the people in our communities, both locally and, and globally, and, and as Andrew said, we're, we're starting a new series this week as well, it's simply called Revival, because you know, if we're going to see revival in, in our communities, both locally and globally, <laughs> if we're going to see them in our communities both locally and globally, we need to send more people to share the life-changing message of Jesus into those communities, and we need to open new doors so that people can be welcomed in to hear the hope and the good news that is found in Jesus. And so today's the first week that we're going to be doing that, and we're just going to be looking at this one scripture that Jesus says in, in, in the book of Luke. It's actually his first sermon he ever gives, and it's in his hometown of Nazareth. So Jesus has been baptized, he's come up out of the water, he's gone into the desert for 40 days and he comes and he shares this message and he's at the synagogue in, in, in Nazareth and he stands up to preach and someone hands him the scroll, the book of Isaiah that we have in our Old Testament and he reads this from that book. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And, and after reading this, Jesus goes on to, to explain to the people in the synagogue that in their hearing of his reading this, that this prophecy is actually being fulfilled. Right? And the story goes on and... You know, the, the people in the synagogue, they get cross and they take Jesus out. They actually try to throw him off a cliff. And I don't know what happens, but it says that Jesus walks away. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure how the story unravels there. He wanted to throw him off the cliff and he walks away. But he walks away. But for this series, this is, this is a scripture that we're going to be looking at. Because, you know, we've come out of a season full of isolation and, and toughness. And it's, it's been a season that's been a struggle for a lot of people and and so I don't think there's a better time for the followers of Jesus to be trying to do exactly what Jesus says in this, to be, to be proclaiming the good news to the poor, to be proclaiming freedom for prisoners, for the recovery of the sight for the blind. Now is the time to step out in faith, believing that God will send revival into our nation and in our generation. Right? We're not going to see revival in this nation by just doing better what we are already doing quite well. Actually, we're only going to see revival as together we grow in a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit to continue the ministry of Jesus wherever we have been sent. And so in this series, we're going to unpack the heart of this prophecy and see how it is fulfilled in Jesus' ministry. And, and we're going to pray together and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to continue Jesus' ministry today through us to bring revival into our own lives and, and to the lives of those in our communities and our nations. And so this morning, as we kick this series off, I want to start us with that first part of the scripture, right? Where, where Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And so this morning, I want to ask us, what does it look like for us to be opening new doors so that we can proclaim the good news to the poor? What does it look like for us as a community to be doing that? You know, the, the thing about a door is, is that you can't actually see what's on the other side. 
Right? Opening a door is almost the signifying of a, a new beginning. It's something new because you can't see what's on the other side of the door. And it, it, just by the nature of it, you can't see through it. And so what we do as a society is we actually put signs up on doors to tell us what the door means and, and, and what, how we're supposed to interact with it. And so if you see this sign on a door, it means you can only enter it if you're wearing a skirt, right? It's a woman's bathroom door. So this is, this is, this is a door only for women, exclusively for women. And, and vice versa, if we see this sign on the door, it's the exact opposite. If you have a skirt, you can't come into this room. Okay? And furthermore, you actually probably don't want to come into this room. Because I don't know if you've seen Ben's bathrooms, but they are disgusting and they are filthy. I wonder how many people here have accidentally walked into the wrong gendered bathroom before. Anybody? A few of us? Great. I'm glad it's not just me. That, you have to do that awkward, like you, you realize and you have to do the awkward shuffle out, just hope no one sees you as you walk out of that door. Um, recently, Sophie and I, we were at the, the head office for Queensland Baptist. We were doing a meeting and their bathrooms were downstairs. So I had to use the bathroom. I went downstairs. There was no one there. And as, I, 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 probably, I should have looked at the doors. I didn't. I walked in. And as I walked in, I was confronted that everything in the room was pink, right? It was pink tiles, it was all the four pink tiles on the walls, and so I had to do that really awkward shuffle out. And then, so I left, and then I went to the other door, and it had a picture of a woman on it. And I was like, oh, this is confusing. Two women's bathrooms downstairs. So I went back upstairs, and as I was walking upstairs, I realized, no, there was urinals in, <laughs> there was urinals in that bathroom. It was, just, it was just pink to confuse people. But I still had the awkwardness of it. Just makes no sense. You know, sometimes we'll see this sort of sign on the door. It says members only for those who can't read it from the back. And, you know, only members are allowed through this door. And I don't know how you become a member. You pay a fee. You know, you fill in some paperwork. I'm not a member of anything except like BCF or Spotlight. But I've seen the members lounges from the outside at the airport. You know, like the Qantas lounge or the Virgin lounge. And it looks like a nice place. I hear there's free food and free drinks and... I've wanted to go in there, but you can't because I'm not a member because only members are allowed through this store. And sometimes we see this sign. It says, emergency exit only, security alarm will sound when door is opened. I've got to be honest, that seems clear, but these doors confuse the living daylights out of me. Right? Because they say, do not block, the alarm will be sounded. But half the time, I swear the doors are open and people are just using it as a normal door. But my general rule of thumb is if I see one of these doors, you try and avoid it. And I think that's good. All the OHS people would appreciate that. And here's a little sign that goes on the door handle it says, please do not disturb. And it's a simple sign, right? If you see that on the door handle, don't disturb, don't walk in there. You don't want, you don't want to know what's going in there. Don't knock on the door, do not disturb. Okay? We put, we put signs on the doors to signify what is behind the door. And um, to signify or to just let you know the criteria if you're allowed to enter through that door as well. But when it comes to proclaiming the good news to the poor, and I think there's some other signs that we put on that door to stop us from opening it. Right? There's some other signs that we ourselves place on that door. And you know, I wonder if one of the signs we place on that door... I've lost my blue tack. Hold up. One of the signs we place on that door is this, fear. I wonder how often we, we, we use fear as an excuse to not open the door, to not share the good news with the poor. You know, fear that you're not good enough, that you don't know enough, that you haven't been theologically trained enough. Right? Fear that you might be ridiculed or you might be looked down on, fear of judgment, fear that you might do more hurt than good. Then maybe it's fear stopping you from opening the door. 
Or, or, or maybe it's this. Maybe it's fe- feelings of inadequacy that are stopping you from opening the door. And feeling that you're not good enough. You know, who am I to be able to share the good news of Jesus? How could God use someone like me? And why would God want to use someone like me? I've done so much wrong. Surely there's someone else who's better equipped, better to do this job. You know, maybe it's inadequacy that's stopping you from opening the door. Or maybe it's just this. Maybe it's complacency that's stopping you from opening the door. You know, does complacency stop you from reaching out to the poor and the needy in your community or the people around you? Does complacency stop you from sharing the good news with others? You know, the feeling that maybe someone else will do it. Or I'll, I'll get to it, or if it comes up, I'll do it later. You know, there's like a lack of urgency in it. Maybe you've become complacent with the hope that you, you yourself have found in Jesus, and so the desire for you to share it just isn't as great anymore. Is complacency stopping you from opening new doors and sharing the good news with the poor? You know, these are just three, three things that have probably been most prominent in my life, but maybe there's other things that are stopping you from opening the door in your life. Maybe there's other signs or labels that you're putting up on that door pre- preventing you from welcoming others in. You know, Jesus was constantly opening these doors to bring good news to the poor. And, you know, we hear the saying regularly, like I hear it at work a lot, you know, you can come in, my door is always open. And it just means that you're always welcome, right? You don't have to knock, you don't have to ask, you can just come in because you're welcome to be here with me. And, you know, I reckon Jesus just really embodied this. All throughout his life, we see Jesus reach out to the poor and, and needy around them. And, and he brought with him hope and, and healing. His door was always open to those in need. Even before Jesus was born, we see his mother Mary sings a song over him in in, in the scriptures. In this song, she's proclaiming how he is going to be the help to those who are in need. He's going to help feed the hungry. He's going to help those who are poor. And, you know, as I read just before in that reading of Isaiah, uh, Jesus proclaims his own fulfillment of that prophecy that he will bring the good news to the poor. And all throughout his ministry, we see him outwork this fulfillment. He brings good news to the poor, he brings hope. you know, we're talking about the poor this morning, but I'm not meaning just in like a socioeconomic sort of level, like just that you don't have enough money, but it's more of a just like a poor in hope, people who are looking for hope, right? Jesus helped these sorts of people. And so it doesn't just mean poor in money, but it could be poor physically or emotionally and ultimately spiritually. These are the people that we see that Jesus ministered to and, and he didn't shy away. Instead, he opened new doors and he welcomed them in. And he calls us to welcome them in as well. But I think too often we just get caught up with these signs on the door. We get caught up with the inadequacy, the fear, the complacency. They stop us from opening it, welcoming people in and sharing the hope that we have in the good news of Jesus with the poor and those in need. Jesus shares a, a parable in Luke 14. There's a bunch of parables in this section of Luke, but he shares this parable called the parable of the banquet. And I want to read it to us this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to, to Luke 14. Um, it starts at verse 16. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen as well. It just says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. 
Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Now I wonder as I, as I read that, what, what stands out to you in that, in that parable? Now, is, this, is this a story you've heard plenty of times before? Maybe it's a new story, but what stands out to you in this story? And for me, it, it's interesting that I reckon almost, if you were to count it, I reckon almost half of the scripture is just detailing these excuses that, that, that these honored, honored guests have made. You know, we don't actually find out that much about the host, except that he's having a banquet and he gets frustrated. A lot of the text is made up with these excuses. And, you know, some of us here might know of this evangelist from the 20th century called Billy Sunday. But here's this really interesting um, uh, what's the word? Here's this really interesting meaning for the word of excuse. And he says that excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's no such thing as a good excuse be because there is. But I really like Billy's definition here because that's kind of what I see when we see these excuses in the scripture. It's, a, it's the skin of a reason stuffed in a lie. Or in other words, the excuse that they make applies to the reasoning like it makes sense. But its foundations, the basis of the excuse is the lie. It's a hoax, and you know, I think in this parable we've shown, a, we've shown a couple of cracking excuses that demonstrate what Billy is talking about. You know, in this time, the time that this is written, uh, the feasts are a big deal, and much like today, the, the, the host would send out an invitation to everybody to try and get the RSVPs. So he'd send out an initial invitation to get the RSVPs so that they know how much food they have to prepare, they know how much wine they have to buy for the feast and everything like that. And then, so it's the same as us, but then when it differs, is the, the, the time of the feast. You know, if we book, a, we book an appointment or a dinner appointment with someone these days, we say, hey, this is the time and place, and this is when. Like, it's gonna come, come to my place at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have dinner. And so at 6.30 p.m., it's agreed upon, and all the time someone's going to say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm late, or the parking's terrible. But 6.30 p.m. is the time agreed upon, and they just didn't do this in that culture. Instead, they'd send out the first invitation, they'd get the RSVPs, and then when the feast is ready, the host would send out the servants for the second invitation, say, hey, it's time to come. Why don't you come? And so you can understand the frustration of the host, right? Because we, we can imagine what it's like to invite people. And I think some of us don't even need to imagine because it's happened to us. We know what it's like to invite people, for them to say they're coming, and then for no one to show up. Right? Frustrating. Who knows, Facebook RSVPs can be frustrating, right? It's impossible to get people to click accepting or, or not going. And even when they do, it doesn't mean anything because it doesn't matter. I, I, that's not a judgment about Facebook RSVPs. Let me just put that out there because I do that all the time as well. So it's, it's not a judgment, but we can understand how frustrating it is. So we can understand the frustration of this host, right? Last minute plans ruined. We can understand why he'd be angry and he'd be frustrated. And the reality is, they actually seem like weird excuses as well, right? These are the skin of reason um, filled with a lie, filled with a lie. The first person says, I'm sorry, I can't come because I've just bought a block of land that I have to go and see. Who does that? Right? Who has dinner plans and then just unpromptly on that day decides to go and buy a block of land? And who goes to inspect a block of land 
Keep in mind, there's no lights at night time when the banquet's supposed to be happening. It's a terrible excuse. Now the guy's just said, I've got, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to assume that's ten oxen. And he has to try them out that night. He has to. It's a lame excuse. The third person double books his own wedding. Who double books their own wedding? It's ridiculous, right? These are weak excuses. They're just, they're excuses. The skin of reason stuffed with a lie. And you know what? I'm so glad we don't do that today anymore. Right? I'm so glad we don't make excuses anymore. Of course we do. I do it. I'm sure you do it as well. We make up excuses all the time. And sometimes it's a warranted excuse. Now, if you've got COVID-19, I don't want to hang out with you. you. You can use that as an excuse. It's a perfect excuse. But I think sometimes excuses are just a, a face for our laziness or for our apathy. You know, we've committed to something when we're feeling like we've got a full emotional tank or we feel like we're up for it. And then the day comes and we just don't feel like it. And sometimes we use an excuse. And they're the skin of reason stuffed with a lie. But I really believe that in this next season, God is calling us to open up new doors so that we can share the good news with, poor, with the poor, just like Jesus did. And we can't let excuses get in the way of that. Now the host of this parable opens up his door to those in need, when, and we need to do as well. He didn't become disheartened when the other people couldn't come. That's a perfect excuse. How, all my friends have ditched me. I'm just going to grovel in my own self-pity. He doesn't do that. And instead, he welcomes everybody in. I want to read that part of the story out to us again. The host says to his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. You see, everyone's welcome. Everyone is invited. He compels them to come in because he wants his house to be full. And, and it's the same with the kingdom of God. You see, everyone is invited. Everyone is invited just the same. God wants his house to be full too. And we are the messengers of that invitation. We're the messengers of that good news. Messengers for the poor today. We're called to invite everyone in to receive the good news. We're to welcome everyone through the doors to compel them to find the good news that only Jesus offers. For everyone who recognizes their need, Jesus has a message of good news for them. Now, Jesus started it. He was opening doors, but it's our job today to be equipped by the Holy Spirit to continue that ministry that Jesus already started. But just like the so-called honored guests of this parable, sometimes we hide ourselves behind these excuses. Sometimes we hide ourselves behind excuses of fear, inadequacy, complacency. Now, I wonder how often fear has stopped you from sharing the good news with the people around you who need it. The people needing hope in your life. And for me, it, it's, far too, it's far too much, far too often. The fear of judgment, the fear of shame, the fear of feeling like you're going to be ridiculed for it. You know, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a lot of fears in my life, I'm going to be honest. I've got a lot of fears in my life. But I think one that plagues me and plagues a lot of people of my generation and younger is talking to people on the phone. <laughs> Right? I'm getting nods from all the young people. There's something about it. It's completely irrational. But there is something about talking on the phone that just makes me quake in my boots, right? And I think it's because growing up, all the important, all the DNMs, the deep and meaningful conversations I had were either on MSN or Facebook or face-to-face. 
Right, well, you have the time to craft it in your words, or you can actually see their reaction on their face. And you don't get that on a phone call. And it is awkward, man. It is awkward sometimes. And so it scares me. And it's completely irrational. It doesn't, it doesn't scare me so much with people that I know, or if I know that I'm actually going to have a conversation with someone. But where it scares me the most is having to call, like, a business, or having to book an appointment, or having to ask if they have an item in stock. It's terrifying, and it's irrational, but we were at dinner the other night, and we were talking about this, and the reality is that both the couple that we were at dinner with and us, we both picked our most recent GPs, not based on qualification, not based on location, but based by the fact that we could jump onto HotDoc and book them online. Right? We didn't have to call up to make a booking. We could just use HotDoc, and that is not a dating app for those out there. HotDoc is, is an application where you can book a doctor. I know it sounds like a dating app, but it's not. We picked our GP based on the convenience of not having to call them up. Right? And the fear is irrational. It doesn't make, I'm not going to die from a phone call or something like that. It doesn't make sense. And so the people in my life, like my wife, tell me, just suck it up. Just push through it. You're being silly. And it is silly, but I think there's an element of this as well when it comes to opening doors to share the news with the poor. You know, fears can be real fears. This can be a real fear. It might get a little bit awkward, actually. You know, you might be out of your depth. You might be out of your comfort zone a little bit, but you've got to just push through. Because we're not going to see revival unless we begin to open new doors. In Isaiah 41, it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to have fear. And in fact, it's, I think it's really only natural. But God's word says, Do not fear, for I am with you. And so I think for some of us to overcome fear, it's not a question of bravery. It's not necessarily a question of just needing to push through. It's actually a question of faith. Because, you know, our faith overcomes our fear. Faith overcomes our fear. You know, how strongly do you believe that God is with you? How strongly do you believe that He will strengthen and help you, that He is bigger than your fears? And so it takes faith to overcome our fears, to believe that God is in control. It takes faith to open new doors. It takes faith to share the good news with the poor. It takes faith to see revival. But you know, inadequacy, inadequacy is another excuse that we use to prevent ourselves from sharing the gospel of good news with others by sharing the hope found in Jesus. It's another excuse we use to not open that door, to not welcome others in. You know, how could God use someone like me? If only you knew the terrible things I've done or you knew my laziness or my apathy, then you'd believe too that God wouldn't want to use someone like me. If only you knew the terrible things. Now we allow ourselves to tell these lies in our head and, and it creates an unhealthy narrative because it's literally the opposite of what Jesus tells us. Now how often do we see in the Bible Jesus go and tell people they're inadequate so don't try? Never. It's exactly the opposite of that. right? It, it, in Jesus' eyes, in God's eyes, inadequacy doesn't eliminate us from being able to share the good news. It actually helps us. We see in 2 Corinthians 12 where God is speaking to the church, but he says what God has said to him. And God says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Or in other words, it's actually through our inadequacies that God moves most powerfully. And so if adequacy or feelings of adequacy is the thing that's stopping you from sharing the good news with those around you, if that's the thing that's stopping you from opening new doors, actually maybe you need to count yourself lucky because you've got a greater opportunity for God to move powerfully in your life. And so once again, it's faith that overcomes our inadequacies as well. Faith overcomes our inadequacies. You know, how strongly do you believe that God's power is made perfect in your weakness? That He will use your weakness or feelings of inadequacy to display His perfect power. He will use your feelings of inadequacy to further His kingdom. It's faith that helps us to open new doors and bring, those, and bring hope to those who need it. And lastly, complacency. I think this is a big one for us. And maybe it's not so much an excuse, but it's actually a trap that we fall into. Now, how often does complacency prevent you from sharing the good news with those around you who need it? How often do we convince ourselves that someone else will do it? Or it's not convenient for me today. Or I'm going to wait for the opportunity to arrive, arise and then, and then I'll come and answer. It's not my gifting. I'll get to it tomorrow. The trap of complacency is that we forget the importance of the good news. We forget the importance of the hope found in Jesus. We found it for ourselves, but our complacency means we've grown used to it and and we forget how influential and how important that realization was for us when we had it. We forget the joy and the, the overwhelming love, the overwhelming grace we feel when we first encountered that good news. We forget it. We grow complacent. You know what I find interesting about the host in the parable of this banquet is when he tells his servants to go out and look further, right? He he says, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. He says to to compel them, or, or in other words, urge them to come in, convince them to come in so that my house will be full. And you know, it's interesting. it's, It's like a sense of urgency in this. He's saying, don't take no for an answer compel them to come. There's an urgency to it. It has to happen now. And you know, it's the opposite of complacency. The host is calling his servants to urgency. And and I think God is calling us to urgency as well. Now there's an urgent need on our doorstep. People need to hear the good news of God. And so we need to rid ourselves of complacency. We need to tear it out of our hearts and replace it with a sense of of urgency, right? We need to replace the complacency in our hearts with a sense of urgency. And here at Gateway, we say it every week. We say everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. We say it every single Sunday. We might say it actually multiple times on a Sunday. You know, sometimes I think it can almost sound rehearsed, but it's not. We say it a lot because it's something that we believe. It's something that we truly believe. We want to be a church that welcomes everybody through our doors. Sometimes that's a challenging thought, right? Sometimes that's a challenging thought. We want to welcome everyone through the doors. That means Gary at work who frustrates you or drives you nuts, we want him in the doors of our church. I think sometimes we, we, we see this place as, as my place. Right? This is my place where I can come and get filled up. This is my place where I can connect with God. And yes, everyone's welcome, but only if you're not going to interfere with that. You know, if we're going to say that everyone who walks through our doors is welcome, we're going to have to act it out as well, even when it's hard. 
And if we're going to see revival in this nation and in our generation, we're going to need to do more than just welcome people through our current doors. No, we're going to be, need to be opening new doors as well. It's welcoming new people and new ways to reach out to those in need, to those who are poor and, and searching for hope because this is an urgent need. There's no room for complacency. This is an urgent need. You know, there are people in our communities literally dying of isolation and loneliness, right? Literally taking their own lives. These are the people who need to hear the hope found in Jesus. And in our communities, there, there are marriages, there are families falling apart without the hope of Jesus. These are the people who need to hear the hope of Jesus. We have young people living in our communities without hope, right? Searching for meaning, nothing to live for, not being able to find that meaning. These are the people who need to hear the hope found in Jesus. And we're not going to see revival in our communities, in our nations, unless we become more dependent on the Holy Spirit to continue Jesus' ministry through us. Unless we allow the Holy Spirit to build our faith. Just to stop the excuse of fear or inadequacy. Unless we let the Holy Spirit to, to instill in us the urgency of the need that is in our doorstep, is on our doorstep. Now we have care centers at each of our campuses and they all look a little bit different. We got to hear a bunch of the stories from them this morning as well. But each campus has a care center and each care center runs a bunch of different ministries. Now each week we're getting, we get to hear story after story of how these centers are sharing the good news and sharing hope with the poor, providing help for those in need, literally living out this prophecy that Jesus was fulfilling. You know, I get, I get the privilege to get to see behind the scenes of our Gateway Ormo Care Center. I get to see the people who come in and serve and the people who come in and, and need help. You know, God's doing amazing things through our care ministries at, at Gateway. But there's a cost to open these care centers. There's a cost to keep opening these doors. It's not something that just happens miraculously. It costs time, effort. It costs financially. It, it costs in an emotional capacity as well, right? It's not an easy thing. But the people we have serving in our care centers are opening doors for the poor and the needy. They're opening the doors for people who need hope in our communities. And so I want to honor them this morning. And so if you are a person who sits or it helps out in any of our care centers across Gateway, can I get you to stand right now? That might be at our Ormo one. Come on, let's stand up. It might be our Ormo one. It might be another one. You might be delivering food parcels. You might be helping out with washing. Can I get you to stand? These guys are making that sacrifice. They're literally li living it out in our care centers. And I think it'd be great for us to pray with them this morning. And so if you are physically or relationally close to one of these people, why don't you join with them? Why don't you stand up around them? If they're comfortable, why don't you lay hands on them right now? We're going to pray for them. Have a look around. There's people. Now let's pray. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. God, we want to thank you for the people standing here this morning. We want to thank you for the way that you were using them in, in our communities to help the poor and, and help those who are in need, who lack hope. God, that you, that you were using them to bring hope and, and good news to the people in our communities. And, and God, we want to lift them up to you this morning. We ask that you would, uh, we ask that you would bless each of them. 
that you would continue to strengthen them, that you would help them to continue to be your hands and feet in our communities. God, we pray that you would fill them anew with your joy, that you would continue to to bring story after story of transformation out of these care centers, God. Would Would you protect these people? Would you protect their families, God? Would they find all that they need in you? Would you strengthen them? Would you equip them? Would you resource them to be your light in our community? God, we want to thank you for their obedience this morning. God, we pray that you would continue to fill them with their joy, the renewed joy of their salvation in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, stay standing. If you're sitting, why don't you stand up as well? You know, I prayed for these specific people because they're, they're literally the faces of our care centers. But this isn't, this isn't a mission that just a few of us are entitled to. Right? This is a mission that all of us are called into. It's something that we all actually have to wear. Bringing good news to the poor isn't a task for just a few, but for all of us. And in order to see revival in this nation, in our generations, there's an urgency for all of us, an urgency for all of us to be needing to reach the poor and the needy with the good news, to bring hope into those communities. And so my prayer for each of us this morning is, is that you would be allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside of you. The Holy Spirit's a gift. It's God presencing Himself with His people. He's here with us always, but we need to be open to Him working inside of us. And so that's my prayer for us this morning, that each of us would be open to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to work inside of you, that you would be open to the promptings of the Spirit, right? That you'd have the the time, the energy, the capacity to be able to hear when the Spirit is saying, hey, that's an excuse of fear. That's an excuse of inadequacy. You're being complacent. To be able to hear those promptings of the Spirit and allow the Spirit to fill us with faith to spur us on, to give us urgency that, 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 that our faith would spur us on to continue the ministry of Jesus. And, and so, Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for the gift of Your Son. We want to thank You for the hope that we find in, in His death and, and His resurrection. We want to thank You for the example that He was to us, the example of that He was to, to see what it looks like to share the good news with the poor, to bring hope to the hopeless. God, we just want to ask that you would be helping each and every one of us to become more aware of your Spirit in our lives. Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see you at work? Would you, would you fill us with, with faith to overcome our fears and, and feelings of inadequacy, God? Faith to know that you are in control, that you are the hope that this world needs, that you are making a way through us. God, would you help us to not grow complacent, but instead would you stir inside of us a desire to see your revival in our communities, both locally and globally. And it, would it not be a future thing, God? Would it be an urgent thing? Would it be a thing of today and now and, and each and every day? God, we know we live in a hurting and broken world and we know that you are the answer. So would you help us to be your hands and feet? God, would you start revival in this world through us? Would you help us to share your good news to those around us? We ask for your strength and and your wisdom, knowing that you are a good and perfect Father. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song again that we sang a little bit earlier this morning. And I think it just captures the heart of this message. It's asking the Holy Spirit, come and work in me, come and change me. If we want to see revival in our nation, it has to start with us. And that revival is seeing fear and inadequacy replaced by faith in our hearts. Replaced by faith and responding to the call of urgency, responding to the need that is on our doorstep. And so 
My prayer for us this morning is that as we sing these words, as we sing this song, this would be your prayer. As you sing these words, it would be your prayer, transformation of your heart, inviting the Spirit to come and work in you. And, and you will be scared and that's okay. His faith will overcome that for you. And so we're going to sing this song right now. Allow these words to be your prayer. Allow these words to shape your heart's cry to God. Allow this to be your plea this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.